welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. I'm Micah, by the way, if we haven't met. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. Glad that you're here. We're in a series in Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. And um, this, we're going to finish a series that we started about 12 weeks ago. Paul writes this letter to this tiny little church in the Roman Empire, this group of people trying to figure out what it means to live in light of the resurrection. They're working out the implications of the fact that this guy, who claimed to be the son of God, was crucified by the Roman Empire and then was resurrected from the dead. This empire that, that asked for nothing short of its full allegiance or your full allegiance. And so, as we've been learning and talking about, Paul is offering a different story, a different narrative, a different good news, uh, a different gospel, as it were, which says that Caesar isn't Lord and the king of the world, but rather this resurrected Jesus is actually the one who's enthroned and who is inaugurated, started, or began a kingdom that the world has never seen. And so Paul is saying, your allegiance actually is being asked for in another kingdom. So that's where we've been, and we're going um, to wrap it up this morning by Paul's sort of final comments to this little church in Colossae. So if you will, please stand, and we'll read from chapter 4, starting in verse 2, and then we'll dive in. Paul writes this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. Pray that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Pray with me if you would. God, this morning, as we gather and we turn our attention to, uh, to your word, that which was written and preserved over the last thousands of years, we're grateful for it, grateful for the way in which you continue to reveal yourself through it, the way that it is active and alive and still breathing, still speaking to the church today. And so we pray that that would be true in this case for us this morning, that there would be a word or an idea, um, a sense, an invitation from you, uh, to continue to move towards the people you've called us to be as your church. I pray in the strong name of Christ and all of God's people said together, amen, amen. You may be seated. Friends, I have a few things to say this morning, a few less than normal, but uh, we're moving towards communion and uh, we're going to sing together and celebrate that, which I'm very excited about. But in the, in the meantime, as we finish this series up, I want to break up our time into two categories and the first is a little bit of review, uh, and we'll put it in the category, we'll call it privileges, right? The things that Paul has been saying for the last three to four chapters about what is true of these new Christians, this Colossian church, because of Christ. So we'll do a little bit of review, and then we'll look at what, what I'm calling responsibilities, what Paul says in these four verses that we read this morning. So Paul basically begins, or, or this, this letter that he writes, he's telling these people about all the things that are true of them because of this person of Jesus. So, first up, these privileges. Um, what is theirs in Christ by faith, right? The book of Colossians is, is uh, it's dense, and it's very theological, and it's meaty, and there, I want to highlight a couple of things that we've talked about over the past few weeks. Um, there is a passage called the Colossian Hymn, which is verses 15 to 20 of chapter 1. And I would argue that there is no higher point in the whole Bible of Christology or, or statements that are made about Jesus. This is as good as it gets. Here's a couple of things Paul says. Paul says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, which is to say that Jesus 
The Christ is the second person of the Trinity, this eternal person, uh, the Christ, becomes incarnate and known in, in a person, in flesh, right? That's what's called the incarnation, that Jesus is this, he's the image of the invisible God. So that which was invisible, that which was a mystery, that which was unknown, there has been an apocalypse, right? Apocalypse means an unveiling. So Jesus and his birth and life is an apocalyptic moment where we see in real, what was invisible. We see that the Son is the image of the invisible God. The, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. So all these people, have, for all these years, have been asking, like, what is God like? Even the disciples themselves, they come to Jesus and they say, we want to know what God the Father's like. And Jesus is like, ah, right? You need to look no further than me. So when the world says, what is God like? Or when you say, what is God like? The, the scriptures are making the case that Jesus is the exact representation. He's the icon. If we want to know what God is like, we need to look no further than Jesus. So Paul says he's the image of the invisible God. He also says that he's the firstborn over all of creation. Which is why it's important to keep separate these ideas of the Christ and Jesus. He's saying that the Christ... The one who was eternal, who was preexistent, was there before the first breath of creation. That energy, that pulse, that thing, the Christ, becomes known, embodied in Jesus. That he's the firstborn over all of creation. So he says that in him all things were made and in him all things are held together. So this person that we see in Jesus is somehow connected to like the, the, the pulse of the universe, the very fabric of everything that we know to be true in, in existence. Paul says that, it was, that God was pleased to have all of God's fullness dwell in this Jesus. And that in this Jesus, he's reconciling all things to himself. Which is this beautiful idea that God is up to something in the world and that it's not about a tyrannical rule of punitive like retribution. There's a couple of big words strung together. Well done, Micah. <laughs> not in my notes either. No, but that God is up to something else, and that is to reconcile all that was made and called good back to God's loving shalom, peace. That this is what God is doing in and through Jesus. So he goes on, he says a whole bunch of things, uh, of which I just wanted to highlight those as like the ultimate of what Paul is saying about Jesus in the book of Colossians. He says that you've been buried with Christ in baptism. And you've been privileged now to walk in a new life. We, we, we actually had a baptism early in the series where we saw somebody like go below the water, this metaphor of being buried with Christ in baptism and then raised to walk in a new life. You've been given this grace. You've been privileged enough to know this. Paul says that you, you were once dead and enslaved to a way of being and now you've been given this gift, this privilege of being clothed in new clothes you used to be about these things, and I'm saying now in Christ, you're about these things, about life and about hope and about forgiveness and grace and mercy. So all of these things have been given to you. These are graces. And here's the key. I've been going on and on and on. And as a, you know, a theology person and a person who loves the Bible, this stuff is fascinating to me, and it may be less fascinating to you, but here's the point. All of these things, these gifts, these privileges, these graces that are given to you are not just given for you. They're not just given to you. For those that are parents in the room, maybe you can remember that moment when you've sat down your children and you're like, you're entitled to nothing but like food and shelter because I brought you into this world. It's my responsibility to give you that, but your cell phone, not entitled to it. 
<laughs> your internet privileges, not entitled to it. Your car that you'll be getting, not entitled to it. All gifts, all graces, privileges given to you, right? Friends, yeah, that's right. Yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> We're not entitled to anything. And yet Paul's saying, good news, friends, gospel. Blessings have been like poured out on you. That all these things that we know about Jesus are given to you. They're privileges of yours. But it's not just for you. It's actually for something else. For something far greater than you. When I was in eighth grade, I was in theater. You guys believe that? Hard to believe, I know, right? <laughs> My one and only drama experience, theater, I was the doctor in the, in the show the doctor in spite of himself. <laughs> I was about four foot seven, probably about this tall. I wore this giant lab coat that went all the way down, like past my ankles. But I was one character in a cast of people who were telling a story in the midst of a world that was happening all around us, right? But these group, this group of people, this small little cast of characters, we had a script and we had lines and we were telling a different story than the one that was happening in our day-to-day -day lives. Do you see what I'm saying? Paul is essentially saying you are a part of a larger story. Your voice is not just one voice and it's not just for you, but you're a part of something that's happening right here and right now. A different song that's being sung, so make sure that you're in tune with it but it's for the purpose of the healing of the world. It's for the purpose of redemption. It's for the purpose of grace and hope and joy and forgiveness and mercy and justice all around. It's not just for you and your personal salvation project. See, we get the gospel backwards in America, which I would argue is a bit uh, due to our consumerism and our capitalism, and we think it looks like this, where it's like we're at the top, and God came, Jesus died. If, if, did you ever hear this one at camp? If you were the only one left on earth, Jesus would have died for you. I don't think that's inaccurate. I don't think that's untrue, but it's just totally backwards and it's so American, right? And it's all about me and it's all about my personal salvation. It's not that that's untrue, but I would argue flip it upside down. That the gospel is about the cosmos. The gospel is about the entire world. It's about all the people in the world. It's about the trees and the birds and the air and the fish and everything, especially the fish. It's about all of it. <laughs> and God has called this group of people to sing this certain song to to, to, to give lines from this certain script called the kingdom of heaven of which I personally get to be a part of. Do you see how different that is? It's not just about you. You've been given these great gifts, this unbelievable privilege, but it's for something, for something bigger, for something larger. So let's make sure that the song we're singing is in tune with the one that's playing, which is the kingdom. Whew. Question. What privileges have you been given, church? Like a question I'd love for you to consider this morning, to think about. What privileges, what gifts have you been given? And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, it's because I deserve them. To which I would say, well, maybe you're, you're reaping the benefits of your parents' life lived well, or their parents' life lived well, or their parents' parents' parents, right? At some point, it's gift. Like, how far back do you have to go before it's just grace? It's just gift. At that point, I say, what are you doing with those? Like, how is your life, your voice, your unique part being invested in a larger story? Because, like, all the humans get to the end of their life and they say that this is true, that it's really actually not about me. 
All the wise people that get to the end say that. They say, but I was just, I was one part of this grand mystery, this grand, uh, what's a mu- the, the big, like not a sonata, but a, you know, a music piece. Symphony, thank you. That would have been so much more, you know, impactful if I would have got it on the first of it. We're a part of this grand symphony that's happening and I'm just one small part. So what is the gift that you've been given? And how are you investing that? How are you using that? Paul is saying for these first three chapters, like, Here, here's all the things that are true of you because of your faith in Christ, and now you've been engrafted, you've been adopted, you're a son and a daughter and a family you don't, you don't deserve to be in, and yet here it is. You're next to the king. So, then he gives them two very practical examples in the, in the verses that we read. He says, these things are true of you, so do these things. Now you're responsible in these ways. So be in prayer and know that your actions and your words matter, Right? Two things, be in prayer, know that your actions and your words matter. Paul says, you've been privileged, you've been invited to participate in this great gift, this good news, so pray to this end. Pray that the good news of God is heard here and around the world. Like, question, when's the last time you, were, you, you interceded, you prayed for the work of this church? I wrote that in my notes, and I was like, oh man, that's a... I should probably pay attention to what I write. Like, when have you prayed for, like, this community of people in the world? In the global church, there are thousands, millions of people who follow this Jesus, who gather every week to tell this story. Like, when have we, when do we intercede on their behalf? That, God, would you open doors? Would you swing wide? Would you break down barriers? Would you transform lives? Would you bring clean water? Would you heal people? Would you resurrect people? Would you do that? Would you do it here in our day, in our age, so that your, your fame, your glory, your renown, your story is told in our generation? When, have we, are we praying that at all? And I would just say it to myself, right? Pray and work. And I, I do the work thing really, really fine. I'd love to do that. It keeps me busy. I don't have to think about things. Usually, especially like lights and woodwork, you know, they don't talk back to you. You just work, work, work. You just do it and it does what it says. I love that stuff, but the prayer piece, man, I could, I could lean into that a little bit more. I'm your pastor, truth moment, truth moment, a little honesty. I struggle with that one. Are you interceding? Are you praying for the work of the church? The message that we call the good news, that it would have a hearing in our midst. I would argue that the church in the West has a little bit of a PR problem. You know what I'm saying? Like Christians in our day and in our age in 21st century America, not a lot of people are listening to what we're saying. Okay, well, God, would you restore the voice of the gospel? Would you give it a hearing? Would you put it on a platform? And my part included, like I repent, yes. Help me embody the gospel so that when I speak it, people will listen to it. So that when the church proclaims this good news about Jesus every Easter and, and hopefully every Sunday, like people actually hear it because they think, oh, those are those people that loved us so well when we needed it. Those were those people who showed up when we were down and out. Those were the people who loved when they didn't need to or when they didn't have to or when they weren't obligated to. Oh, okay. So God, would you, would, you, would you give it a hearing again in our day, in our age, in our church? Specifically, like there are people who lead life groups at Awaken. If you lead a life group, just raise your hand. If you're one of our life group leaders, raise your hands. Yeah, a few people in this room. There are, there are groups that meet all throughout the week, like pray for our life group leaders that they would host spaces where people find community and friendship. Pray for our kids' community. 
Mandy, pray for Mandy twice, three times probably. Not because she needs it, because she deserves it, right? And the people who volunteer in our kids' ministry and show our kids what God looks like because they love them well. Pray for Trevor, our student ministry pastor. Pray for our students that they would be maturing and, and growing in kindness and lovers of God. Pray for our advisory team, the people who lead on your behalf. Lots of things you could be in prayer for. For our artists, that they would be given visions and inspiration to tell things in, in ways that like fact and proposition can't. So can I invite you, the church, gathered this morning, called Awaken, to pray. To pray for this work. To pray for the work that God is doing in the world. Paul says, pray for me. Pray for us that God would open the door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which he was in chains. Pray, I'm not in chains. I'm here. You're here. Let's pray for this good work that God's doing in the world. And then he says, um, your words and your actions matter. The lives that you live and the words that you speak, they matter. He says, take every opportunity. Be wise. He says, actually, like, walk in wisdom. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Like, snatch up every chance you get to give word and deed, uh, 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 the good news of Jesus, like a body, enfleshed. Every chance you get, do it. The rabbis of Jesus' day used to say that words create worlds. The idea being that the words that you speak, they have the potential, the capacity, the ability to like create new space for someone, to open up an imagination to see a possibility they hadn't before. Like words that you speak have that capacity. And the converse is true. The, the power of your words to like shut things down in someone's life, to destroy something in someone's life. So what you say matters a great deal. So may your words and your actions of your life be full of grace and seasoned with salt. So the words that you speak and the way that you live in the world, may it be full of grace, which is humility, that you recognize the whole thing's a gift. That you're breathing and upright and taking sustenance and it's a gift. That your, your, your default is gratitude and joy. Like, oh my gosh, I'm alive. Look at the sun coming through. The, you guys back there, you look marvelous. Just so good. You guys, if you were there, you would look good too. But the light, you know, and the birds are singing. The birds are singing in the morning. Have you guys noticed? Oh, praise the Lord from whom all blessings flow. The birds are back. It's all a gift. So may your actions and your words be full of grace. Oh, it's a gift. It's all a gift. And seasoned with salt. The first sermon I ever preached when I was 22 years old at Crossroads Church of Denver on a Wednesday night, which is where they let the youth pastor preach, was on salt. Did you know that salt in the ancient world had three major, um, well, what's the word? Benefits, they were a source of flavor, it was a healing agent, and it was a preservative. So salt, you all, if you cook, you know, if you add a little bit of salt, it like brings out the flavors that are already there. You know, add a little salt to a good curry, pow, flavors pop. May your words and your actions be seasoned with salt so that when you show up, a little bit of salt and pow, the values of the kingdom become known. Like, they're there, they're present, but then a little bit of salt, and voila. It's like ratatouille. <laughs> May you be seasoned with salt, 
a flavor enhancer. May you be a preservative. May you be the things that, that hold back the darkness, that stop the decay around you. May when you show up, your words and your actions, may they preserve life that's already present. And may they be a healing agent. When you speak, when you act in the world, may the words of your mouth and the, the, the movement of your body be a balm for those who are hurting around you. This is what Paul says. So every now and again, I gather my kids around and I say to them, gang, do you have any idea the gifts you have? Like, Lyndon, you could change a room. Like, you walk in and people follow. Hadley, your quiet confidence is just, well, not quiet, your confidence is just amazing. And Dahlia, my gosh, you see it all. You see everything, the gifts you have. Now, they're not just for you. They're for the world. Because you're participating in something bigger than yourself. If you get to the end of your life and all you've lived for is yourself, I guarantee you, you'll be miserable. Guaranteed. But if you can just point who you are and what you bring to a larger story, oh, it's like you'll soar. Like the whole world opens up. To the church that awakened gathered this morning, I would say the same thing. You've been given a gift. It's good news. It really is. It's good news. But it's not just for you. It's not just for me. It's not for my little personal salvation project or yours. But it's about what God is doing in the world right here, right now. Resurrection Sunday is coming. I mean, like the Super Bowl of Sundays is coming for church people, right? Where we celebrate the fact that Jesus is not dead, but that he said, oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Bow, I'm up out the grave. Bring it on. And then says, now follow me. This is the way to life. This is where it's, we're, we're going home, friends. Like, this is what we're about. So, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Your gifts, they're not just for you, but we participate in a story that's happening all around us if we have eyes to see it and ears to hear it. And so to the church, I would say the same. Like, pray as I pray. I'm, a, I'm working, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm disciplining myself to be better in this area. Not because I need to be, because I want to be. Not because God's up there going, well, Micah, you didn't pray this week. Your sermon's going to (laughs) suck. No, because I want to be. I I want to be in communion and in conversation with God. I do. So I pray as I pray and work as I work because with privilege comes responsibility. And you have been gifted. You are gifted. You're one, like, star in the universe. Well, shining brightly. So let's do that for the sake of the gospel and the good news in the world. Amen? Amen. Pray with me if you will. God, this morning, as we take just a few moments to be quiet and to be still, we even think about winter and how it forces us to do this, to just take a couple deep breaths and to rest and trust that you're at work even when we can't see it, but now we get to see some of it. Things are coming up out of the ground and the trees are budding and the birds are singing. So God, may it be true for us. The seeds of the good news of the gospel that the death does not win and that evil is vanquished and only love remains and love wins in the end, may those seeds that have been planted in us, God, would you by your Holy Spirit come and just water the hearts of the people in this room so that things would begin to grow and that we would bear fruit, fragrant aromas of joy and of healing and of restoration and of forgiveness and of justice.
So God, whatever our next step is, whatever uh, is particular for me and my voice and my friends and their voice, would you in these next few moments just speak words of encouragement, speak words of invitation, remind us that we've been given a gift to be used for the kingdom and for your sake. church gathered in St. Paul, know that the Lord blesses you and keeps you. The Lord lifts up his face to shine upon you and is gracious unto you. The Lord is lifting up his countenance to you and giving you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said together with joy in their hearts, amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Love you. Find us online at www at awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.